get up and stretch or anything during our, our time together. Feel free, sensitive as you to other invitations or whatever. I will um, probably do a break once we finish uh, the first section, which is the note you have from last week that ends on page what, 15. So the, the bottom of 14, 15, and 16. And then, I'm not sure exactly how long that will take us, but it'll probably be about an hour or so. So we'll probably break there. We'll give everybody a good breaking point, and, um, and then we'll jump into the actual book of Philippians. Anybody have any prayer requests or anything that you would like to either share or uh, pray for or about? Might be the last time you sign up for something with Adam. Feel free on that note, though. Feel free to you know leave me any feedback. Um, I might do a. There's no forum to schedule for our podcast, but uh, maybe in a few more weeks I'll do a Zoom forum so we can just maybe some detail on what you like, what you don't like, and that sort of thing. Or would it make it better for you? So, all right. Let's pray. We'll get started. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word, to learn what it means to be wise, and that is our goal as we study wisdom literature, the, the poets, and then eventually the prophets. Father, that we would uh, we would live in such a way that we demonstrate and have the fear of the Lord and. That when we lack wisdom, we would ask for it, Lord, believing that you'll actually provide for us. I pray today, Lord, that you would just help us to understand these concepts, and you would help them to uh, take root in our lives, and that we would take them home into the workplace and live them out in such a way that people can see the, the light of Jesus and the wisdom of God through our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. using uh, this device to control the presentation again. This, this morning it only works sometimes. I did buy a clicker and uh, it should be here today. So for next week I should have that. So let's pick up where we left off from last week with our notes from the first packet at the bottom of page 14. <coughs> We've been looking at wisdom literature and we talked in letter G about the need for divine guidance, talking about wisdom and, and the will of God in our lives and learning how to navigate through life. And, you know, we don't want to end up like that. 
know, that's, that's not where we want to be in life. And so the first thing we looked at last week was the need for divine guidance. And we saw that there was three things. That man is sinful, man is simple-minded, and man is solicited to sin. All nicely alliterated for you, right? So with that understanding, we need something. We, we are not sufficient in ourselves. You know, we know from Genesis that in chapter 3, Adam and Eve thought that they didn't need divine wisdom. They thought they knew what was good for their life, and they were sorely mistaken. And we're all still paying the price for that, right? And so each of us does the same thing every day. We're, we're prone to sin. We're simple-minded. That simply means we can be persuaded one way or another, and we're solicited to sin. There's people calling us out to sin. First uh, Peter 5 eight says, The devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So there are adversaries. There's enemies. We'll see that in Job in a little while. So we need God's help. We could be in the pool or we could end up in a tree. Neither place is where we want to be, right? Not when we're in our vehicle. So I want to look right now at the nature of divine guidance. The nature of divine guidance. It is uh, discerned primarily by wisdom. Proverbs 1, 1 to 5 says, discerning between things, good and bad, is what is being referred to there. Let me read that, that passage for us. I don't think you have anything specific from this slide. I think the next slide is where your notes pick up. <coughs> but in Proverbs chapter 1, which we will study more detail um, when we get to Proverbs, but the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and being instructed, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving wise instruction and righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to the young man. A wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and the riddles, and then in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we'll keep coming back to Proverbs 1-7 for that. So, the, the need here for wisdom, guidance, divine guidance and divine wisdom are pretty much synonyms in this context. I have a lot of pictures that I create in here. I originally created this for uh, some high school students when I was teaching Bible survey. But, yeah, um, yeah, something's not right here. Here's another one. Anyway, I kind of missed up on the picture. The nature of divine guidance is based on divine <coughs> revelation. So the nature is your blank for letter H, the nature of divine guidance. Uh, Roman number one is that it is readily, conveniently available. Conveniently available. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask who? God. You should ask God. Who is the one who knows all? God is the one who knows all, so that's who we should seek, which is why studying the Bible, taking courses like this, uh, doing online courses, doing uh, all of the, the millions of, of free materials that are available online is something every Christian, honestly, should be pursuing. Um, you don't have to be going into, quote, full-time ministry to be doing that. All of us is called by God to full-time ministry because we're all called to live fully for him in all aspects of our lives. And so how can you do that if you don't know the scriptures? How can you do that if you don't know what God's calling you to do? We all need that. Proverbs chapter 8, the first 11 verses in particular about lady wisdom calling out to you in peace, 
What is vain wisdom? You know, this is wisdom personified. The point here is that God is saying, listen, it's, it's not hidden in a corner under a box or under a rock somewhere. No, I'm crying out to you. I'm showing you wisdom. I'm demonstrating it. Um, the Proverbs talk about, look at the ant. Do you ever see how he works? Have you ever watched an ant? I put that video up. I, I was with um, <coughs> my brother's in town. He was last weekend. He was in town this weekend. And so we went to the, uh, the Oakland Preserve. We'd never been before. My wife grew up near there. Uh, none of her family's ever been before. So we're like, okay, let's go to it. So we, we took uh, my nine-year-old and, you know, my brother was with us. We went. It was pretty cool. Um, when we were done, we were sitting, sitting down having a snack. <coughs> and my wife kept seeing those ants all over her feet. Well, we looked down, and, yeah, we're sitting on a bench where probably hundreds of other people had sat. And who knows how many thousands of crumbs have fallen there, right? So there's this piece of who knows what. But, you know, it's uh, about the size of a quarter of a size of a penny. And there's all these ants on these. They're just hoisting it up on their shoulders. And they're running all over the place with it. And so um, I actually took a video. It's on my phone. Maybe I'll show it to you at some point. But uh, nothing stopped them. I mean, under and over leaves and, and stuff, this, this uh, telephone pole-sized log, I mean, and they simply say, look at the ant. You know, have you ever seen an ant just sitting around? They don't. At least not on the surface of the ground, right? So they're always running around working. God's saying, listen, Proverbs 8, Lady Wisdom is calling out. I'm calling to you from the streets. Listen, don't listen to the other people calling to you from the streets. Listen to me. I'm telling you how to live your life. <laughs> Number two. Revealed by the Creator. Revealed by the Creator. You're unable to figure it out on your own. Your own sense of right and good is skewed. <coughs> As I mentioned a minute ago, Adam in the garden. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 to 14, we find this explained for us. I'm going to read some of these scriptures for us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 11. The book of Corinthians, if you don't know much about it, is a very interesting book. It's on one hand, uh, everything not to do in your church. On the other hand, uh, it's instructions for how to do things right. And so, in that sense, it's, it's a very interesting thing. So, chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, for who among men knows the concerns of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? In the same way, no one knows the concerns of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God in order to know what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the natural man does not welcome what comes from God's spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to know it since it is evaluated spiritually. There's, there's a sense of things, and this is what we're talking about with divine revelation, divine wisdom, is it comes from God. And God gives Christians his spirit so that he helps us through that process. Without that, you can't figure it out. This is not just information that is found in a dictionary or an encyclopedia somewhere. This comes from God himself. Job 28 is a passage that we will look at um, either today or next time period. All about the wisdom of God. And then Proverbs 2.6 is listed there for you. Man doesn't know it or value it. He can't buy it. 
Unless you know comprehensively, you can never know what is due with certainty and speak authoritatively. Um, I think that quote comes from um, Walsky, Old Testament Hebrew scholar. Um, I just forgot his first name for some reason. Uh, Bruce. Bruce Walsky, W-A-L-T-K-E. Unless you know comprehensively, you can never know what is good with certainty and speak authoritatively. Think about that for a minute. Unless you know absolutely everything, then you can't know for sure. And you can't be the authority on it. Which means every one of us is what? We're done. We, we don't have the authority, and we can't speak for certain about it. Thankfully, though, who can? I can. And so that's why we need divine wisdom. That's why we need the revelation from God. Without revelation, there is no absolute good or bad. You just run into situational lessons. And you could take that to the extreme, you know, why was what Hitler did wrong? Well, it's not unless there's an objective standard of right and wrong, right? Otherwise, it's just, you say it's wrong, he says it's good. Hey, who cares, right? But, no, we have divine revelation that cuts through all that. Depravity calls good evil and evil good. So we need spiritual discernment. And welcoming the word of God. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Without the revelation of God, people cast off restraint and go amok. Okay, that's about the, the NLT translation or close to it. And I put it in there for a reason. Because you're so used to probably hearing... That people without a vision, what's the next word? Perish? You heard that before, right? People without a vision perish. And so what people constantly, I've heard this so many times I can't count them. They talk about having a vision and a goal and an end game and all that. That is not what that scripture is about. It's people without the revelation of God cast off restraint and go amok. Without God's revelation, the world gets jacked up. Look around. We all know it's true, right? Proverbs 20, verse 18. Talk about the word of God and what it can do. The wisdom, the divine revelation. Letter B. <clears throat> Precepts. Precepts are specific and clear commands of God. Okay? So the nature of divine guidance. You have three aspects. Okay? Princi uh, precepts, principles, and patterns. Okay? Precepts are specific and clear commands of God. I'm not going to look up all these scriptures with you, um, but they are there for your reference. Obviously, I mean, you could teach somebody about wisdom, you could use these notes, etc. Specific and clear commands. So if God says, do something, that's a what? That's a precept. Or don't do something. Don't eat the apple. Right? That's a command. That's a command. Ten commandments are obviously uh, precepts. Principles, the second one, they're more general. They're broader guidelines for life. And these, <coughs> you're going to find that it's not as specific to the situation or it's not uh, as specific about what uh, you're supposed to or not supposed to do. The third one is patterns. And this is a little more difficult. These are inferred from Scripture based on the character of God. Now, young Christians often think you have to have a verse for everything. And if you don't have a verse for it, they think that it's just your opinion. But that's really not true. What happens, the more you study Scripture, the more you know God, the more you know God, the more you know what God wants. It's kind of like a relationship. The longer you know someone, do they have to have told you ABC for you to know that they want ABC done? No, you don't have to. But the more you get to know them, you know what they think before they say it because you know them. 
these, ultimately, that's what God is trying to do to us. <clears throat> you don't need 613 commands listed in the Old Testament. That's, that's not what it's about. Can you imagine if every night before you went to bed, you went through your scroll, your list of 613 commands, and checked off the ones you did and didn't do? No. God wants us to, to know him in such a way that we understand what he is. So as you know God, as you study scripture, you begin to see how God thinks, how God acts, and then, with the combination of the Holy Spirit that he's put inside of you, you know what to do. This is how, by the way, Christians in countries that don't have the scriptures are able to follow Jesus. They don't have the scripture, but who do they have? They have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the author of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps illuminate and interpret the scripture for you. And so even without the scriptures, now this is not a, a plug for don't read the scriptures. No, I, I think that that's negligence and laziness on our part. We should be taking advantage of the wealth that we have. And there's multiple scriptures that indicate that you should be regularly meditating on the scriptures. But the truth is, they're not in everybody's hands. Everybody in the world doesn't have the scriptures. So, but they do have the Holy Spirit working through them. So precepts, principles, and patterns. As God reveals to us, these are the, the three different aspects that you can categorize them in. <coughs> what else do we understand about the divine wisdom that comes from God? Well, it requires confidence. It requires confidence. Before we can ask, what must I do, we've got to ask, whom do I trust? All right? The thing is that if, if you don't yet trust God, if you don't yet trust the scriptures, then you're really not going to look to God for your wisdom. You're going to look elsewhere, right? The truth is that if we go back to our Genesis 3 story with Adam and Eve again, what was Adam and Eve's problem? They didn't trust God. It's a trust factor. See, God had already told Adam, right? He already had the command. Don't eat that. But somebody else came along, another voice, saying, it's okay, eat it. Because he didn't trust God, that's what led to their sin. So you have to have confidence. You have confidence in the scriptures. You have confidence that God never lies, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That Jesus said, I'll never leave you and not forsake you. I never leave you naked, and I really is true. That no matter what place you go to or how bad things get in your life, and now when I'm going to say this, I'm speaking for myself too, he's actually with me. You know, that, that's how persecuted Christians get through what they get through. Because they believe that Jesus is with them in their persecution. The greatest obstacle to seeking God's will is our attitude of self-sufficiency and self-reliance. Give me the one on the screen. The greatest obstacle is our attitude of self-sufficiency and self-reliance. And in the 21st century, it's easier than ever. I think that the majority of us American Christians oftentimes I think I think let me rephrase it. I think that you would have to be purposeful if you're gonna trust God right now. Because if I drive home this afternoon and the tire blows and I'm hopefully near a tire stop, what am I gonna do? It doesn't matter if there's money in the bank account or not. Gotta 
get a title, right? And that, that's our thinking, right? Doesn't even enter our mind that maybe, no, I don't got to get a title. Right? We're like, of course you do. You got to, you got to drive. I don't want to. You know? Like, there's no money in the account. So, my, my point is simply this. It's so easy for us because we have, most people have, you know, lines of credit, credit cards, you know? So easy. We just write. And the truth is, um, Ramsey is right. Dave Ramsey is right. If you do cash, you are more cognizant of what you're spending and you will spend less money. I, I know it's true, even though I don't do cash anymore. So, I go to the store, I go to the grocery store. I don't, I don't have data for what, what I'm buying. You know? I have an idea because I, I know what the price is that I'm willing to pay for this and this and this. But I just get up there. Sometimes I don't even know what the total was, and I just go. Now, most of the time I do know the total because I'm pretty picky about what I pay for stuff. But my point is we just sweat it. It's the same thing with doctors. The first first thing we go to is who? If we think something's wrong health-wise. Is it really God? I mean, if we're serious, if we're honest with ourselves, is it really God or is it Call the doctor. I'm not saying don't call the doctor. Don't 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 misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't call the doctor. I'm just saying, where's the first person you go to? We have all these set things set up in our lives in the 21st century. And I would argue that God, the scripture, is pushing back at us and saying, Am I really your first go-to? Am I really your 411? Your 911? Or is somebody else? And I'm three or four or five down the list, you know? Oh, the doctor says there's nothing he can do. I guess I better pray now. You know? Like, you're with me. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7, deals specifically with this tension. Okay, many of you probably know this passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In how many of your ways? All. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He'll direct your paths if you put your trust in him. Lean not on your own understanding. What does that mean to lean on your own understanding? It means you trust yourself. The choice is, trust yourself or trust God. Same choice Adam had. So wait a minute. Proverbs 3 is really just about Genesis 3? Yep, they're the same. Who's going to trust, God or yourself? Let us trust God's wisdom and not our own. So we don't have to lay aside all reason, but we do have to put aside merely human wisdom. We must trust him even when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes he's going to say to do something that doesn't make sense. You know, he told Abraham to pack up and move. Well, to where? I'll show you when we get there. What? That doesn't make sense. Number four. Number four. It requires commitment. The reason that it requires commitment <coughs> is because sometimes we can't see. Trust demands that sometimes we have to trust what we cannot see. And this is the essence of faith. Hebrews 11.1 one says, Trusting that what we can't see yet will happen because he says it will. We're trusting him at his word. It's a serious amount of commitment. Maybe you've heard the story about the guy that's uh, walking a tightrope across Niagara Falls, you know, and this actually did happen a couple years ago, it was on TV and everything, and he goes across Niagara Falls, and just imagine he goes across with a wheelbarrow, you know, or, or just he went across like he did, with his little big stick thing, you know, to keep him balanced, and uh, he gets to the other side, and he says to you, you think I can go back across? Yeah, probably, right? Or he's got that wheelbarrow that he just put across. Think I can put you in it and go across? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, sure. Okay. All right, get in. 
trust or do you not? Because the only way you trust is if you get in that will for God. Otherwise, you really don't trust. You don't believe. And that's what it is with God, you know? That's what it was with Abraham. That's what it was Genesis 22 when, when God says to Abraham, take your son. In case you're confused about which one I'm talking about, your only son. No, not Ishmael. You're gone, right? Isaac, your only son from you and Sarah. You take him. Your promised child that you've waited several dozen years for. Take him. Do you trust? Trusting enough to ask for wisdom when we need it, demonstrating a reliance upon God. As James 1.5 says that I've already mentioned, if you lack wisdom, ask God, right? Therefore, knowing what to do is sometimes difficult, letter B, 4B, difficult, because it sometimes takes great effort to learn to be wise. Difficult, effort, and wise. Proverbs chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 5, says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listen closely to wisdom and direct in your heart to understanding, Furthermore, if you call out to insight and if lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures, then, verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. There's a seeking. There's a pursuing after. There's a looking into. Um, too, too many times, maybe we think that in Christianity, it's just all supposed to get downloaded to us. You know, we got the Holy Spirit after all, right? So, boom, we, we get it all. It doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, you do have the Holy Spirit. And you also have the Holy Scriptures for the Holy Spirit to interpret and illuminate for you. So put them together if you want to be taught at. God's promises <coughs> are still worthy today. Uh, Roman numeral three underneath there. This is a paradox. Paradox is something that seems to contradict, um, but doesn't. He says that um, he'll provide for us. You know that James 1.5 passage, it's been listed three times in the novel. Um, the James 1.5 passage says there's, there's a condition. And let's realize this. The condition is that you believe without doubting. So you have to ask without doubting. Because a doubting man is unstable in all his ways. And a doubting man, in the context of the book of James, is an unfaithful man or woman. Is someone who does not trust God. So you're God for something, but you don't really believe he's going to give it to you. So James is saying, no, you're double-minded. And then, when he says unstable in all of your ways, your whole life is like shipwreck. Like you're back and forth in your whole life, he's saying, because you don't have the first thing set up because you don't trust God. So it's difficult. Okay, It's, it's, it's not hard on, on an easy day. This stuff is hard on a difficult day. It's, it's hard when You've been waiting, like Abraham, for something to happen for years, and it's still not happening. And who is seeking that doesn't look like it's going to? You know, if there's not something in your life that you can plug into what that is, give it some time, and you probably will. Um, you know, in our life, I got married late, later in life. We were married a little over three years, and we had three miscarriages, and can't carry a baby. So, humanly speaking, you know, there's a biological clock ticking, you know, and 
on what you do. So then you, you got James, which I preceded James a few months ago, right? So me and my wife have to be with James. So we, we pray for a child, but James says, are, are you praying believing? What does that look like? What does that really mean? So you're praying that, that God is going to answer your prayers? And so that's the, that's the thrust of this passage. That's where it's, it's a paradox because we have to be believing. Asking to receive, but there's also a lot of hard work involved. Jeremiah 42, 33, the small remnant of Israel is left in Canaan, and the rest have been carried off into captivity in Babylon, and they request wisdom from Jeremiah. After 10 days, God's response is to stay put in Canaan, and he'll protect you there. Well, they don't trust. They don't wait the 10 days. So they go to Egypt to have real protection from Babylon. They're stuck with the consequences. I think of uh, one of the greatest stories in Scripture, Hezekiah. The 186,000 Assyrian soldiers camped out outside of Jerusalem. They surrounded. 186,000. Tough. Assyrians are the people that would skin you alive and bring your skin up on the wall for everyone to see. Okay, the question? Yeah. That's the, that's the people we're talking about. Get your trunk open, put a hat in there, and bring it back up. Have fun. The Assyrians. That's our journey we want to go to. So they're camped outside, 186,000 of them. Surrender. Surrender or we're going to destroy you all. Hezekiah, instead of Gideon, finally. Hezekiah goes to God and he says, are you going to do it? Let's say we are people coming from Egypt. We get up in the morning. And all of a sudden, oh, the picture is really good. How is 186,000 dead? What happens? God acts. What are you going to do? Be fresh. God took care of the problem. I know that in my own life and probably in yours, it seems like it's 1159 when that happens. And I'm sure Hezekiah felt the same way. Like they'd be, they hadn't just showed up that day. They'd been camped there, you know? Suddenly God takes them out. Trusting God. Fifthly, requires character. So... Yes, there's, there's some studying. Okay, you don't have to look like that guy, but there, there's some studying going on. All right, there's some hard work going on. The Jeremiah passage, we just um, mentioned that. Sorry, I didn't put it up on the screen, but that's the Jeremiah passage. So now that'll show up on the, the beginning of notes for you. But it also requires character. Character comes in, in is, is uh, basically about who you really are. Okay, when no one else is around. Character is who you normally are. It's funny that uh, uh, we adopted our son a few months ago. And so when he first came, he liked everything. We're like, oh, wow, he likes flowers and animals, and he likes everything. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Because that was just the, yeah, I'm here, I don't know you, um, I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, sure, yeah, oh, yeah, this is great, I love it, yeah. Okay, a month later, no. Oh, so you really don't like tomatoes? You don't like this? You don't like that? Now, he is still pretty good. He, I mean, he eats most food, but no. There's a whole difference that went on here. Okay, who he normally is, all right? Yeah, well, we're still finding out. Um, and that's how relationships are. We're still finding out. Who are you? 
Do you, do you trust God when it's uh, easy and difficult, or only when it's easy? There's character that leads to death and destruction, and there's character that leads to wisdom and righteousness. That's uh, your next four blanks in there. Character that leads to death and destruction, and character that leads to wisdom and righteousness. Basically, you've got the seed of, of God, the godliness, and you've got the seed of the serpent. That's the passage in there. Character development is the key to wisdom and divine guidance. So, what are we trying to do with our little boy? We're trying to help him understand what it means to, to know the scriptures and to live the scriptures. He goes to a Christian school, and one of the first verses he memorizes is Philippians 4.8. He hates it. Because what do we bring up all the time, Joe? first verse that he memorized that, you know, the Christian school, that Philippians 4, 8. You know, think about whatever things are pure and holy and righteous and good and all these things. Are you, are you thinking about Philippians 4, 8 right now? Oh, don't say that to me. You know? And so, this is how we are, too. Trying, trying to build that character. Deuteronomy 6 is a passage that talks about fathers when, when they're trying to raise their kids. Saying, from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed, all day long, all the time, what you should be doing is helping your kid understand and pointing your kid to the scriptures and to God so that they can live that out in, in a positive way and have the character of God. little cartoon here. Um, this actually comes right from Proverbs. The proverb says that God's wisdom is, is better than gold and silver. So here you have the idea that you know people are calling out with, with gold and silver and saying, no, I don't need them anymore. Why? Because I got God's wisdom. Um, this isn't just something for Old Testament times or New Testament times. This is you and me, and this is all the, the students and young people that we work with. Um, money. We exchange gold and silver for money. You offer people a million dollars or God's wisdom, which one will most people take? I think they'll take the million dollars. Um, we see it all the time. It controls us, it consumes us. Um, this is why greed and, and the love of money leads to all sorts of, of negative things. So we have to choose, you know, with an end goal uh, that we graduate, that we graduate life, okay? That you graduate life with honors, that you graduate life when God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, now, some of you are just hoping to graduate from uh, this class in this school, but it's more than that. We want, we want, at the end of our lives, to be able to have God say, well done. And that's not going to happen if we don't have uh, wisdom and if we're not plugged into his revelation, because that's where it comes from. So, any questions related to uh, the wisdom and the will of God and, and how that works out before we move into Job? We'll take a short break. Any questions? Nope? All right. Awesome.